Hi fam, light a candle, grab a cozy beverage, and get ready for this brand new Ceremony Circle podcast episode. This one is featuring an expert in Akashic Records, Reiki and Sound Healing, and Kundalini Yoga, Vanessa Lambert. And for anyone new here, I am your Ceremony Circle host, Allison Charles Story, and today's journey was a spontaneous one, and it holds a super high-level yet fun energy within it, as Vanessa shares stories of early and honoring psychedelic usage, the beautiful story of her 20-year relationship with her partner, Adam, including how in the world they have managed to stay aligned all this time, even as they're both on the evolutionary path. She also shares all about the Akashic Records and Akashic Readings, the surprising reason most clients come her way to get a reading, and how you, yes, you, are probably already accessing the Akashic Records and you might not even realize it. We also dive into why kundalini yoga is so uber powerful and efficient for rapid change. We both share experiences of this. And perhaps my favorite part, as Vanessa has been a conduit for group and individual transformation for the past 30 years, as well as a retreat facilitator, she shares her incredible and unique wellness retreat recipe a.k.a. how she's cultivated her retreats to have more of a wellness festival vibe to them that includes a more holistic approach to health, fitness, and spirituality rooted in her own insatiable pursuit of the world's leading-edge healing modalities, whether they be modern or ancient in origin. And her next retreat begins April 26th in a stunning location in Mexico. It definitely caught my eye, grabbed my attention. And you can check it all out. Just Google search Bee Fest Palmaya. That's B as in the creature bee. So it's spelled B-E-E Fest, F-E-S-T, Palmaya, P-A-L. M-A-I-A. Google search B-Fest Palmaya. And the first result that pops up is her retreat. And if you are feeling the call to attend, just enter the discount code Allison. That's my first name spelled A-L-Y-S-O-N at checkout. And you will get a soul fam $500 off for your retreat with Vanessa and a whole star-studded cast of musicians and guides and healers. All right, fam, here we go. Let's dive into this fun ride in the worlds of retreats and Akashic Records to quickly transform your life with Vanessa Lambert. Oh my gosh. Thanks for being here, Vanessa. Thank you. It's so, so sweet to be yeah. here in your home. Uh, how, yeah. How does it feel? I always like to ask people. You know, it feels really amazing because especially when we met, you guys were in LA at the time and so were we. And so I was just thinking on my way here, like, wow, the vibration has changed so much for all of us. Mm. And and then we came into your home and I was like, oh, nice job. Uh, well done. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, this is just such a lovely place to be, and I can feel that. So, yeah, mm. congratulations. Thank you so much. Mm. You're so welcome. Yeah, such a journey to arrive here. And just a couple of days ago, I was sitting in front of our altar right here, and, um, yeah, I just got this massive blast along the lines of what you just said of, you know, everything in these 
alter pieces. Um, you know, it's just so meaningful and special. And I was just awestruck and enveloped by the awareness of everything leading me to now, you know, Mm -hmm. to this now new. And I recently, well, I guess by the time this episode airs, my birthday maybe would have been six weeks ago or something, New Year's Day. And I just, for some reason on that particular birthday, and as we sit here now, I can just feel this true, like, shift into a whole different life and timeline, Mm -hmm. like more than ever any other timeline shift. So yeah, I feel very new. I don't know if you've been experiencing lately anything Mm -hmm. similar to that. Like, yeah, it's it's so interesting. We were just doing our goals. Adam and I love to roll out a big like butcher paper on the kitchen table every year at the beginning of the year and just kind of script out like, you know, the areas of life that we want to look at and develop and just kind of get a bird's eye view on it. Mm. And the interesting thing was there wasn't a whole bunch of new things that we wanted to create. But when we looked at all of the things that we wanted to continue to move forward, there was such a different energy about Mm -hmm. it. It was like, instead of last year felt like almost like a hustle year, like we were kind of hustling a bit. And this year it was like, just stay steady. Like just be in the like honoring of everything you've started and just stay steady. Mm. And I think that for me, it's always felt like we were just in a hurry kind of, Mm. and it was the first time I looked at everything and I was like, yeah, just keep going. So it was, it's, it felt new, even though it was like the same, it was the same context and the same goals, but the energy felt really new. Yeah. I hear you on that. I feel like everything about the way I'm experiencing myself and my life and my relationship with my partner. It's just completely new energetics on a, as deep a cellular level as one can go. And since you mentioned Adam, I feel like that's kind of a good place for us to start. You said when we were chatting downstairs that you guys are coming up on 20 years of marriage. Yeah. When is that exact date? In October, October 12th. Mm, Yeah. Or 12th. Wow. I, what do you feel about that? (laughs) And also I would love to touch on how you guys started as what's the correct term firefighters or yeah we were we were seasonal firefighters together and for those Californians out there we have kind of like extra firefighters that come in in the season you know the the hot season now California is always hot but back then 20 years ago uh, you would hire extra firefighters for the summer season and so you'd come in as a seasonal employee and so I was 18 he was 20. Wow. And we started and we were just like babies. Basically. Yeah. We would just be like, it was like a summer job, like a little bit more intense than your average summer job. Yeah. (laughs) But that was the vibe. So we started just like literally as babies, as firefighters. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's such a testament and such a unique and beautiful journey because you both are clearly on this infinite evolutionary path and uh, clearly both very immersed and steeped in various spiritual technologies and rituals and practices and and live from that type of devotional place. And so I'm always a bit mesmerized by these couples that were able to hold that type of container for one another through such massive evolution individually and together. I mean, what, what has that been like to watch each other? And for the most part, 
were you guys kind of rising into a a next big up-leveling together? Or were there times where he hit a major awakening and you were still marinating in another place and you then had to recalibrate? Like, what has that dance been like? Yeah, well, I think I'll start first with the fact that I had zero expectations to have this kind of relationship in my life. You know, I was raised by a single mom. My parents uh, divorced when I was like nine years old and I just didn't have any kind of, any anyone to look up to where I could say like, oh, that could be a possibility for mm. me. So I think the first thing I would start with is that I didn't have like a massive expectation of how it would look. And I think that that was helpful for us because we were able to actually just stay kind of in cadence with each other with what was instead of having this big projection of what we thought marriage should be or could be or all of the what ifs. And I think both of us just felt like, all right, let's just really take it moment by moment and let's just keep doing our best to show up for each other. And so I would say that that's probably like the biggest thing for me is just really the presence of being with where you're at and not trying to make your relationship and broadcast it into all of these areas that that just like put too much pressure on it. Mm. And so I think that was really a kind of a happy accident for us that we both actually came from divorced family. So we just didn't have like, you know, you hear people say like, I want someone just like my dad or my parents were this way or whatever, but we didn't have any of that. So mm. we were just like, Oh, I guess we're figuring this out. And, together. We, and we just did it. Yeah. Together. And I'm also curious. Uh, so back when you're 18 and 20 and working as firefighters, did either of you at that young age, have spirituality as a part of your life? So I was raised, both of us were raised in Northern California. And so I think by nature, you have that imprint yeah. because it's just around you. So we actually did, you know, his dad lived off grid. Like they were, he was already like kind of in this sustainability. Mm. There's a lot of marijuana growers. Like there's just a lot of that plant medicines and psychedelics. Yeah. That's just kind of baked into the cake where we're from. Yeah. When you've got all those redwoods and those forests and all that (laughs) magic up there, you can't help but get blasted with those transmissions if you're living in that area. It's true. It's true. And I think people who are called to that kind of energy also end up there. And so, yeah, so both of us, um, you know, had that imprint just from growing up, but I, I had actually done psychedelics really young, like 13, 14 ish. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then not that like I recommend that, but that's just how it was because of the area I lived in. How it showed up for you. Yeah. It's just how it was. And when you first had your um, initial experiences, was it a blend of like recreation, but you still knew to revere it or what, you know, Mm -hmm. because you hear some stories of like, yeah, my first experience with LSD or mushrooms, like it was pre-awakening and there wasn't much honoring. It was just hanging out with friends, but now I work with it totally different. Did you have that dynamic at all? Well, so the story is we were kids, right? And we drove up to Humboldt County. 
we in the darkness of night crawled out to what is it the like the coast guard station okay so we like snuck under the fence we're like you know out in the fields trying to find the mushrooms we picked them raw we took them back to a friend who was like an older boy he was in college he was so old and like knew so much yeah yeah <laughs> so he went through the mushrooms and he was like this one's good this one's not you know kind of helped us figure out and uh, then you next, were working with the proper forager. We were working with someone who had a way more experience. So the next day we ate them raw, you know, I mean, they weren't dried or anything. And I just remember it was so beautiful. I saw this tree of life and I just remember thinking this, the, you know, one of the most profound messages was, oh my God, my parents love me so much. Whoa. And I just like got the gravity of what it means to be a beloved child of your parents. And it was so healing and so beautiful. And I feel like it's perfect because I mentioned my parents were divorced. There was a lot of stuff that happened when we were kids. It was a tumultuous time mm -hmm. to say the least. And I just was like, oh my God, my parents are so beautiful and they love me so much. And I, I honestly feel like even though I was very young and you're like, okay, doing mushrooms at 13 or 14 may not be the best idea for me. It was such a pivotal time in my teenage years, preteen teenage years, where there's all of that angst building. There's so much insecurity there was just all of that stuff kind of culminating in those beginning high school years that for me, I felt like it was such a godsend and I got it. I was like, oh, there is way more to this thing than everybody's talking about. Whoa. And it was a complete shift in the timeline. I mean, I feel it even as you're, and I can tell you're feeling it too, yeah. as you kind of relive that and I can feel how profound it is, especially like you're saying at that kind of integral age where it's just a natural happening as a young teenager that we typically shift into like rebellion or more confusion in between child and parent because you're trying to find your own identity. So the fact that you had the antithesis of that, the 180 experience where you got so fully drawn into the respect and the oneness and the understanding and like enveloped by that deep unconditional love energy was seemed like one of the textures I was picking up as you're sharing mm -hmm. it. And yeah, I can tell that's a game changer as game a 13 changer. or 14 year old yeah. to yeah. relate to your parents from that different energetic place when most around you, most peers around you are going the other way. Right. It's the years where you start hating your parents. Right. Yeah. And you, so yeah, I totally agree. It was just this moment where I was just like, oh my God, I'm so lucky, mm. which was the other thing is I think that there's a lot of victim victimhood in those early years, right? You start feeling sorry for yourself or like, I don't have what she has, or there's a lot of comparison mm. for, you know, mm -hmm. you, who you are against your peers. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that I have what I have. Wow. Did you ever find yourself in situations where friends of yours might be and a fight with their siblings or their parents. And do you ever recall kind of pulling in some of that wisdom at times, like kind of keeping them in a different check of how fortunate they are or anything like that? Yeah. I think that the interesting thing is, and the piece I left out was I was with my older brother. So oh, he was a part of the mm -hmm. ceremony and he was 18 months older than me. So oh. we did this together. It was our first experience. And so we became super bonded 
right? Like, because this was just a life-changing experience. And he had a little bit more of a difficult journey than I did. He went to some like darker experiences, but he was able to come through it and have a really profound experience as well. But it was just a little bit harder for him than it was for me. But we became incredibly bonded. So we were like through high school, just kind of inseparable in a way. And we had some other psychedelic experiences and we continued to kind of explore in those different areas. And so I think that people would come into our home Mm. and they would see the dynamics of my mom and my brother and I, and they couldn't really understand (laughs) what the deal was. But they're like, something (laughs) different is going on in here. What is happening here? Yeah. Everyone wanted to spend the night. Let's say that, right. They were like, we want to be in this. This is a good vibe. Mm. And so we were always joking because any friend who had a fight with their parents or whatever, they would come to our house and it would be like, my mom would kind of calm him down and talk him through the scenarios. So I don't think that I was necessarily like counseling them, but there was this energy in our home that just sort of provided a different template. Wow. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. I'm so glad that got brought into play here. And so as you and Adam are progressing on your life journey and and relationship journey, when did the Akashic Records and Kundalini, like some of the more main practices that you do now, when did that start to reveal? So I actually, I got certified to do Reiki really young, like 15, 16. This is kind of like a continuation of this sort of NorCal energy, right? Like my friend's parents had labyrinths in their yard, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) this is the vibe. Yeah. So when I was probably actually, so there was a little period of time where I was going to college and Adam and I were in our early years and getting started where I was just really about work, getting business done and just kind of getting through those initial years. What were you studying? I studied communication design, but with an emphasis in media arts. So like film, Mm. basically like media making film, which was the kind of technology we have. So it it was very early days, like Final Cut Pro, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's actually amazing because it ended up being one of these trajectories that did serve. I did actually use a lot of that education. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was, that was, you know, I was trying to get through those years of like just getting my education, getting all that stuff settled. Yeah, it's similar. Similar for me, I, um, in college, I started my first major, uh, it was in school communications as well. And it Mm -hmm. was telecommunications and film. And then I switched over to PR Mm -hmm. and then I ended up getting my degree in advertising all within the, the bachelor of arts and school of communication. But it's interesting for me in hindsight, like, even though I'm so grateful that I didn't leave school and end up working for some sort of advertising firm and like hardcore going down that pathway still with becoming an entrepreneur and the work that I'm called to do. I know all those years of studying, hello, public relations, PR, publicity, (laughs) advertising, telecommunications. That is like how I merge the spirituality. So it's fascinating to look back in hindsight and to connect all of those dots that led us to where we're eventually supposed to go. It's so true. Like they just, you know, you're like, oh, that was a little small detour, but it turns out that detour was super important to take. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, you know, with the advertising piece, I think it somehow helped me because, you know, I'm just me and being me and just being honest and transparent, being my authentic self. But oftentimes throughout the years of me, 
merging shamanism and, and consciousness through media, people will reflect to me, you know, you just have a way of making shamanism feel accessible or helping me reconnect and remember in a very easy way, like those truths within me. And I can't help but think that somehow those years of studying advertising and how to write taglines and how to simplify and make in a concise, clear way, express your message I think it played a role somehow. So Agreed. It's like the practical and the magical, right? I always talk about that. Like you need the practical side of it to be able to translate it and make it usable, make it approachable. Yeah. But then you want all that, the yummy magic to like support it and just give it all that juice, that creative juice. But Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. I feel like the same for me. There were those, that period of time where I kind of stepped out of the esoteric practices a little bit and just sort of got down to business, really supported the foundation of what would become, which is the Kundalini yoga and the Akashic training and all of that good stuff that, that came later. And the Akashic training is interesting. I, when I was about, I think I was late twenties, early thirties. So right around my Saturn return, I did a year long internship in the Berkeley psychic Institute method, which again is like this really, I don't know. It's like one of these really well-known entities in Northern California out of Berkeley. And it's really about focusing on psychic energy and Mm -hmm. developing those skills. And so I was working with some teachers that came out of that camp. And so they were very much focused on not only developing the psychic skills, but using the Akashic records. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time that I got introduced to the Akashic records, specifically the Akashic Pools, which is a location in the Akashic Records where you can go meet with souls from the other side. And you can actually try to be where the veil is thinnest and communicate with those who've passed. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to stay in, in this pool um, <laughs> where, where we are, because I have another friend. I don't know if you've ever met Daniela Gill. Mm-mm. I feel like you two would, would vibe and hit it off, but she's also an Akashic Records master of sorts. And, um, you know, in times where we've hung out, because I've just, you know, I've been curious about these Akashic records. And one time I was in Venice at her place and we were just chatting and she wanted, I think it was for my birthday to provide a reading for me or whatever. So we were just sitting together and I was trying to ask her, you know, where are you going? Like when you are tuning in and she was like, you, you go there too. Like you're also an Akashic records reader. I just don't think that you view, like recognize that that's what you're doing. Cause you're viewing it more as your seer gift or your shamanic gifts or whatever. But you know, and that resonated as true, but I still would like to try to peel this back a little bit. And especially for the soul fam joining us, um, maybe this is their first time hearing about the Akashic r- records, like where are you going? Like, <laughs> where are the pools at? Yeah. How do you know when you're there? How do you call people in? How do you call, like, are you calling in a specific folder, like a f- specific <laughs> file? Yeah, no, these are great questions. So one of the things I used to do, so I teach, I do an Akashic Records certification. And when I first was teaching it, I would always say to my students, like, okay, now we're going to go up. We're going to go up into the records because the way that they occur for me is that I'm actually like going up Mm -hmm. into a different dimension. But over the years of teaching, what I've learned is that for some people it was going in. Mm. So some people would say that they actually found a staircase in their heart 
and they would actually go into the down the staircase into their heart and that's where their akashic records were okay so it's not necessarily like this location that we are all going to universally agree upon but it's a frequency it's a frequency of like oh now i feel i've gone into this slightly different dimension where i have access to these different files and i totally agree with your friend we are all tapping into them at times and it's like it's almost so subtle that you don't realize it. You're working in subtle energy. You at home listening might be in the Akashic Records field as we <laughs> right speak. Now. You don't even know it. <laughs> okay, so let's keep peeling these layers. Do you, because I think I remember Daniela before she does her thing, she speaks a specific prayer, prayer and intention. Is that part of your yeah. teachings as well and what you do? Exactly. Yeah. So the way that the Akashic records work, at least in the camp that I come from and the way that I know it works for a lot of different readers, you learn the prayer of your teacher. And then when the Akashic records decide that they want you to teach it, they give you your own prayer. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And so I was sitting down one day, actually in the Redwood Forest. We were in our RV. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where it all, it all comes back to the Redwoods. Yeah. And I got this message, just pick up a pen. And I just picked up the pen and it channeled the prayer straight Aww. in one shot, just scripted the whole prayer out. Uh. And it was like, okay, it's time for you to teach. Mm. And so... That's how I access and that's how I teach folks who come into this lineage with me. I teach them my prayer. And then eventually some people stay with the prayer that their teacher gives them their whole life. And some people, you know, receive their own prayer and it's not really good, bad or anything else. It's just kind of part of your Dharma. If you're meant to teach it or meant to work with it in that way, mm -hmm. they'll give you a prayer. And then otherwise, you know, you can use your teachers and that can be your access point in for your whole life. Great. And then a couple other detail-oriented questions. So if someone's coming to work with you and you are going to do a reading for them, and let's say they have a specific question about, let's see, what might they want to ask about? I guess I'm curious, what do people typically come for? Babies. Babies. Yes. I have a lot of babies baby energy and also lost babies that oh. want to come through and that that comes through a lot so that I don't know that's I think maybe just a, an experience that I tend to have a lot but it's one that if you ask me like what's a recurring theme babies yeah. and so the they're wanting to tune into the spirit baby and just Maybe see like how close the baby is to wanting to incarnate or like details. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of women come because they really want to have a baby and maybe it's not happening or maybe they're also curious about timing. And so you can tap in and see, you know, what souls are out there. And I don't really consider myself like a spirit baby expert. It's just something that's happened within the course of my experience. Right. So it's not like I would say, oh, I'm this person you should come to for this, but it's just one that has reoccurred. 
So usually I can see like, okay, there's one or two. This one looks like it wants to come first. And Mm. then the second one wants to come within a shorter amount of time. Or like you develop this shorthand with Akashic Records where you start to learn how they communicate to you. And so I know that when I see one in front, that means, you know, I want to come first. And then kind of based on where the one is behind it and how far you can see, like how far back they want to wait until they come in. Sometimes they want to come in super close together. Like we were just with one of my beautiful students, Jessica, and she had a baby uh, six months ago. And when I was doing her reading, I was like, there's two and they want to come in close together. And she's pregnant again. Wow. She's having them within one year of each you other. You hear of stories like that yeah. where right after they give birth, you're like still extra fertile or whatever. And then you can just right away get pregnant again. It's like all the mom energy is there, right? Yeah. The mom force. Yes. So, yeah. So that that's something that comes through. Souls who've passed for sure. Like if, you know, if you've had someone, a loved one. And again, I don't, it's not like I consider myself an expert in any one of these given fields, but this is just the experience of what, you know, are are some common themes that come through. And then certainly babies that have been lost and babies that have been aborted. Mm. Um, Those, the aborted fetuses like to come through as well. Oh, bless. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Do people just want to have an honoring opportunity to speak like, certain messages to that child or ask for forgiveness and things of that nature. Exactly. And the universal thing that always comes through, it's pretty much the primary thing that they want to come through with is that it was always supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. This was the contract and this is what we were supposed to do and it's okay. Wow. And so that's just, I, I find that one to be like just so beautiful and intimate because that's such a, that's such a deep corner of people's human experience that, you know, they don't open up a lot to people and share that. So yeah. it's, it's really beautiful and, and just precious and, you know, all of it that comes through. Sometimes it's hilarious mm-hmm. too. Sometimes the records are the funniest. I mean, it's the funniest comedy show you've ever experienced. And so it's just all of the vastness that you can have in the human experience is going to happen in the Akashic Records. So it's like there's all this beautiful, deep, spiritual, you know, healing kind of energy. And then sometimes they'll literally be like talking shit to the person. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever find yourself like, cause as a seer, sometimes when stuff is coming through, I kind of have to preface before some messages and be like, okay, so I'm about to say something and just like, you know, just take this with, yeah. In the, in the intention it's about, yeah, totally. And so when you're (laughs) tuning in, I'm just trying to see if our gifts are working the same or similarly, like, are you close, your physical eyes are closed and then you're just able to see, Mm -hmm. uh, with your gift, like, do you see, do you get the messages through vision mainly or it's all the clairs. Okay. So in the beginning it was mostly clairvoyance, just the like clear scene and the visions. I'm very visual. So I do get a lot but I will get some of the other less common ones, the Claire Gustins and the Claire aliens and like the, where you're tasting and smelling and you'll mm-hmm. actually have, sometimes I'll get like a weird sour feel in the back of my throat or I'll taste salt water or I'll smell something that, you know, it's like barbecue or a perfume or mm-hmm. you'll smell things. So it's all of the senses, but usually for some people, they're more powerful in a few of them. And over the years, you know, most of them have come online. 
The one that I don't really work with a ton is like the psychometry where you hold an object Mm. and you get the energy specifically only because it just doesn't occur to me to do it. So it's just not one that like is in my field as much, but the rest of them are pretty, pretty present for me. So the empathy, the knowing, all of those are pretty present. Nice. And so with your various facets of work, because I know you do stuff individually and then you and Adam do stuff together. Uh, do you offer private Akashic Records readings? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. It's really interesting because I focus more on teaching it than doing readings for others. I definitely do it and I love to do it, but I love teaching it so much because one of the things about the Akashic Records is I feel like people feel like, oh, you you know how to do that, so read for me. And like your friend was saying, I want people to understand you're actually, re- you're very close to this. And if you just kind of honed in on it a bit more, you would realize you're probably doing it in a lot of facets. Mm -hmm. And then all of the sudden you feel so empowered in your own ability to read your own energy and your own experience that much more deeply. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that in because it's a a main facet of my journey, um, doing the work I do and teaching is, yeah, always, always guiding the person back to themselves. It's Mm -hmm. like, I always say, you know, just keep a, an eye, a careful, close watch and eye out for teachers that kind of have built a system where you become reliant on getting feedback from them or clarity from them. Like those are those kinds of teacher student dynamics that are quite dangerous. And I'm always in favor of teachers who are like constantly reminding, like putting it, like if they're asking you a question, well, maybe first it's like, well, you tune in first. Like, Mm -hmm. what does your heart say about this? And then I'll tell you what I'm picking up. It's, you know, just helping people remember that they have the gifts as well. I totally agree. And I think right now is it's particularly important because there's a lot out there right now. And so you can really get sucked into almost second guessing yourself. Mm-hmm. There's so much distortion and confusion and separation and the bombardment is just coming from left, right, below, above. It's just like, it's everywhere. So yeah, unless you have you know, your own devotional practices or ways of staying in your own center line or connecting to where you're connect. Yeah. You can easily even seasoned spiritual warriors, you know, at times they've, they've expressed to me that they have to really work extra hard right now to like maintain that, that clear line for themselves. Yeah. And I think this is actually, um, I feel like this is perfectly teen into the Kundalini aspect This is why I actually teach with so many strong kundalini practices because I feel like when you start tapping into this energy, it's really important you develop the capacity to hold these new frequencies and to really be tuned into them and and to have really the capacity to hold it. And so with with the Akashic Records in particular, you can start opening yourself up to some really big energy. And I think you're exactly right. You've got to have a devotional practice. You've got to have something that helps you hold the energy or else it's easy to get kind of swayed in this very polarizing climate that we live in and really kind of get pulled one direction or another. Mm -hmm. So I agree. I think it's, it's imperative. I mean, devotion is, that's my favorite word. It's like, (laughs) we talk about discipline and I think discipline is really amazing, but devotion is, is like, that's, that's when you're in the, the real 
you're still being disciplined, but now you're doing it from such a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now it's in this, like this devotion to self, this devotion to your energy field. So yeah, yeah for some reason, the word nectar was coming in mm-hmm. when I think of devotion in this moment, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely go down a whole devotion, <laughs> devoted devotional, <laughs> uh, themed episode. So it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a feeling that you were a very devotional type. So with the Kundalini, I've definitely, um, throughout the years, I have been quite yogic resistant, Mm -hmm. um, mainly like certain flow forms of yoga for a long time. When I lived in Brooklyn, I was pretty devoted to Bikram Mm -hmm. and I, and I really enjoyed that. It worked really well for me for a few years at that time in my life. But I've always said out of all the forms of yoga that I am aware of, and that I've experienced Kundalini by far is the one that I most easily gravitate to. Mm-hmm. And I have had incredibly powerful experiences. The white tantric oh. weekends, like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. You know, and it's interesting because I think that the shamanic lineage and the Kundalini lineage, they're like kissing cousins. Mm. They're different lineages, but they're very it's like very, they're very harmonious in a way. And so I think when you have an attainment in one, you can actually see the level that's possible in the attainment of the other. Mm -hmm. And I really think that like, it's not surprising to me with your background that you would be able to see that about Mm -hmm. Kundalini yoga. And I totally agree. Like I love yoga and flows are fine. It's all good. But until I got to Kundalini, I never understood really being at the doorstep of your Dharma like really understanding what it meant to be in a lineage that could take you all the way. Hmm. Yeah. So let's um, just chat a little bit more about this particular style and form. I really can't speak to what exactly it is and how it does what it does. I just know my own experience. And I know that when I've sat in certain positions and held my hands in certain ways and breathed a certain way and done certain mantras and chants, like, it's just for me, it has been an incredibly efficient and potent. Like if you hone in on a certain type of Kundalini practice, you know, whether it's for prosperity or whatever, whatever your intention is, I have found it very quickly actualizes what your intention is into your life. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It feels so laser like, why, why is it like that? Well, I believe it's because really what one of the things that Kundalini is doing, well, two, two things I would say first, the lineage, the golden chain, when you tune in and you do the Om Namo Guru Dev Namo, the opening mantra, you are purposefully and intentionally linking into your teacher, your teacher's teacher, your teacher's teacher, and you're linking into the sound codes of all the attainment of all the teachers who've come before. And so I think that that is a reason that it has such, like you're saying, laser-like capacity or laser-like focus is that you're, you're not doing it alone. You're Mm -hmm. doing it linked into all those who've put in the hard devotional effort before you. And so I think that is a major reason. The other reason that I think we won't understand for who knows thousands of years possibly is the sound codes, the mantras. They're so specific 
and they're so powerful. And I think that that's the part of Kundalini yoga that like, we know they work, but we don't really understand exactly why, but the sound, I mean, vibration, right? We know that this is the medicine of the future. We know that this is the next coming of our understanding of ourselves and how we work is really starting to understand vibration in a deeper way. And I think that's one of the things that Kundalini yoga uniquely understands and works specifically towards. Hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, I keep hearing my head. (laughs) We literally did like probably 11, 12, 15 minutes of that today so far. Really? (laughs) Was that the one? I could for real hear it the whole time you're talking when you got to the sound portion. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good one. I mean, mean, that is specifically for prosperity Mm -hmm. for manifestation. So you're right. And I mean, it's amazing. I've had students who do it, you know, they'll just commit to doing it for three minutes a day and they're specifically focused on something. And it's just miraculous. Hmm. Like whatever it is, like you said, that laser-like focus, it just creates it. Yeah, it just cuts through anything in in the field and just takes you right to the heart and center of what you're trying to experience or ready to bring to fruition. So if people have not experienced it or maybe it's been a hot minute and they'd want to lean back in. Like you do stuff all the time online mm-hmm. and yeah. Right? Yeah. We have something called the star stream, which is streaming Kundalini classes every oh, cool. week. And then the Akashic training that I do the certification. I mean, everyone always remarks that like, they're like, Oh, I thought I was doing a Akashic certification, but I was really doing like a lot of Kundalini yoga. Mm. <laughs> so if you want to go deep and really kind of combine those two modalities, that's the place that will really take you that direction. Yep. Otherwise, you know, you can get in where you fit in with the classes and just start to get to know it. But I feel like with Kundalini yoga, you know, it does, it is helpful if you make like a 40 day commitment or some kind of commitment to get into the frequency and kind of get the vibe and get the understanding of what's happening. Otherwise, you know, if you pop in, you you might have an incredible experience, but it's, yeah, you might have, you might totally, (laughs) yeah, it might, it might like change your whole life. I'm not going to say it won't, but if you, if you can find a teacher and find, you know, a place that you can get into a little devotional practice, Mm -hmm you'll just be amazed at the amount of things that will change in your life in such a rapid pace. It's, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the last three years, the last three years. So we were talking about this before we went live. We were in park city when we met Mm. three years ago, right before COVID. Mm -hmm. And that was the time where I got super devotional to my practice. I mean that we had the space and the time I took like eight teacher trainings. I just went, Went ham. I went ham on it. I was like, all right, we got the time. We're doing this. Yeah. I mean, my entire life has changed. Everything. Yeah. There's now no. you live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and you guys are doing all these festivals. And was that all a part of some of that activation, you think? Or? Yeah, I think 100%. It's like I always had the vision of those things and the direction I wanted to go. But back to the capacity the kundalini yoga gave me the capacity to hold it all. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like I, like everything finally started dropping in in the visions that I'd had for so many years. I mean, we've been doing events for 11 years. Yeah. So these bigger events and some of the bigger experiences that I wanted to create, I finally had the capacity to do it. Mm. And that I can a hundred percent say is from the Kundalini practice. That's so powerful. And I hope it's okay with you. I didn't let you know beforehand 
but I do want to touch on just a little bit with the Kundalini because I feel like if I don't, it just would feel a little wonky for me. And I have chatted a few times. In fact, an episode that I just recorded yesterday with Srimati, Julie Pyatt, Mm -hmm. who I really love. She and I just organically, unexpectedly ended up getting into the topic of fallen guru and why is it, it seems that more men than women and just that whole conversation, because it's incredibly fascinating and it's been throughout history and also in this present time that we all live in. And I'm not trying to get into the conversation or the debate of like, whether the accusations against Yogi Bhajan are true or false. I'm more curious about as a devotee and as a teacher and someone who's had incredibly profound experiences with this practice, just what was your personal journey like in terms of processing the information that came out and reconciling that? Mm -hmm. I just want to know how you found your way with that. No, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we're talking about it because I remember the day I found out about these accusations and I was so devastated. I was like, no, not this way. You know, it was the time of me to... All of this stuff was coming to light. Obviously, this stuff had happened before, but that was the time where it really came out. Yeah, it really got amplified because of what was happening in the ether, you could say. So I was devastated. I was like, no, not this one, too. This is so sacred and so special. Like, mm-hmm. I was just so sad because I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen to the just like the feeling of the lineage and the way that I have really come through it. And I've gone all different directions. And I mean, I've really gone through it. At this point, you've had a few years to work your way through this. Exactly. And in fact, just a few weeks ago, I did a whole deep dive with some of my students in Jackson Hole and we went through all the accusations. We actually like brought it to life and processed it together. And like, because I want people to actually have an experience of what it means for them and not just have this thing lingering in the background where it's like, oh, is this, neg- is this actually a negative thing? Or is this like predicated on somebody who maybe wow. doesn't have the highest Letting them free- land in their own clarity around yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. That's Just, so healthy. Yeah, giving them an opportunity to process it exactly and land in their own area. So I feel like that helped me kind of bring it back around again. And I just felt like truth is, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what happened. That's the actual truth. Mm -hmm. I don't know the players. I wasn't around when Yogi Bhajan, when all this stuff was happening. So the truth is I don't know. The only thing I know that is true is what Kundalini Yoga has done for me. And that's all I know that's true. And so for that, I'm grateful to Yogi Bhajan for what he brought to the West and brought into my life. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's true. Mm -hmm. And if, if these things happened and all of that, All I can have is just a deep compassion for like what happens in the human experience and for whoever may have been hurt or for whatever happened. I can just have so much compassion for that and then still stand firmly rooted in the grace and the gratitude that this, this practice has changed my life and I'm so for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic. And I also like, I I have not really studied uh, under him or, you know, really been steep deeply in the lineage. Um, but it's, and so I have no idea what is true and what is not. And if part of it is and what percentage is not and all of, all of that whole thing that surfaced, but yeah, it, it like, even if it is true, even if it is, 
some people arrive to a place where it's just has to kind of be a matter of in some way separating the teacher from the teachings that they were able to bring forth because in quite a few instances of these fallen gurus, the gifts are real. Yeah. The spiritual connection is valid. The spiritual gifts are authentic and for whatever reason, there was this other thing that came into play along with their real, valid, authentic spiritual abilities and gifts and teachings that they brought forward. This other, whether you want to call it more human experience or distorted or disconnected or whatever the the word is, came into play with this other real part of them. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it really is this you know, you're kind of grappling with this in life in general, right? There's the dark and the light. There's this polarity experience on planet earth. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we're always being presented with dilemmas around this and particularly light workers and energy workers and people who want to be in the light and want to live in that space and want to keep creating this beautiful energy. It's, it's so wonderful, but like we live in a polarity experience. And so there is this other side that we sometimes have to grapple with and find where we can exist in the neutrality of it all. Yeah. When you're brought to those edges and when, um, through whatever life scenario or experience that shows up for you, when that other side of things presents, while it might feel incredibly raw or uncomfortable or dark or scary, it's only through that other side presenting that one can typically then land in the wholeness or the totality of the understanding that needs to be brought forth. Because if the polarity side wasn't brought in and you weren't brought to that edge, then you wouldn't be faced with the inner inquiry or contemplation that will then take you to the clarity that you, your soul wants to arrive in, you know? And so it's in the whole big scheme and big picture, it all serves its place and its part. And this is earth school. Yeah. Like this is the, this is the deal, like the deal down here. That's what we do here. We, We work in this polarity construct and that's, I really believe there's other places and other experiences out there that is not this polarity dynamic and that we don't do this all the time. It's an earth specific thing. Yeah. But when you're here, you've got to understand that and really harmonize that into your experience because otherwise you'll be conflicted. You'll feel like if I can't hold the light all the time, then something's wrong with me. And really you have to understand that like we, like you said, we're in this wholeness of experience. And then once you have that, I believe, and this is another reason I love Kundalini so much, is you start to get a little bit of space between you and the dark and the light. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to navigate it a little bit more powerfully and be like, okay, I actually, I get that you're there dark. And sometimes it's important that I go and I be with you and we have an experience. But for the most part, I want to live more weighted on this current of the positivity. And you gain the capacity to make that distinction and to be able to actually live in that more powerfully. Yeah, you, and you can only hold that when you've let yourself, you know, do the necessary dip-ins to that more darker, darker place because 
then the cultivation of self-trust and the understanding that it's not actually as dark and scary as it felt when it was just creeping along over there and you were trying to resist it. And yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. So I, you know, thanks for being open to diving into that a little bit. I just felt like I would have been doing a disservice to myself and all the listeners if we didn't examine that piece at least a little bit. I Um, agree. No, thank you. I, I actually, I love it because I feel like there's so many people out there that is keep themselves away from having an experience with Kundalini yoga because of that. And that makes me very sad. And I think that this is actually something that we're facing on planet earth right now is that there is, you know, there's a lot of pressure to keep people out of places where there's incredible potential to grow. Mm -hmm. And there is so much pressure to control the psyche and control the narrative and all of that. And it's not that I want to go into some, you know, crazy conspiracy theory, like vibe, but it's true. There's a lot of pressure on us to try to figure out what's right or wrong for us and to make our own sovereign decisions. And I think that it's really um, sad for me when I think about somebody maybe reading an article about Yogi Bhajan and being swept into, you know, some kind of story or some kind of like, I don't know, just as some, some like oppressive way to keep people away from powerful teachings and, and so I'm glad that we're talking about that because it gives people an understanding that like, yeah, something bad could have happened and yet this practice could still powerfully benefit me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the teaching, the thing that just came in right then was the teaching can remain pristine even if the overall big picture, uh, if the teacher was shrouded in some darkness, the teachings can still be pristine. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. Satnam. <laughs> Satnam. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so before we get into, and do you remember that we're going to close with a little ritual? Oh, I don't, but I'm totally okay. here for it. <laughs> okay, great. Anything brief that you feel called, it can be a, just a live channeled prayer or whatever your pleasure. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, I would love to touch a bit on um, these wellness festivals. Do you call them wellness festivals? What do you call them? Yeah. So, well, B-Fest in general, we call it a wellness retreat with a festival vibe. Okay. Yeah. Cause it really is. It's a wellness retreat, like in, in its wholeness. And then we layer in these awesome live music opportunities and performances. And so it has that little festival energy around it, but it truly is a wellness retreat. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, throughout my years, I have done different retreats myself in all different parts of the world. And they're incredible experiences. I have found that, you know, when someone makes the commitment to attend and immerse in a retreat specifically, it just... It just does a whole different type of thing. Something else starts to happen pretty much right when you do the sign up or get registered or put your, not down payment, what do you call deposit? deposit? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's true. Yeah. You put that down and then the retreat medicine comes in pretty right away. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, And then, yeah, you know, of course, while you're immersed at the retreat, just because they tend to be um, so multifaceted. And and like you said, there's like different teachers and guides who are a part of it. People can really experience lifetimes worth of 
desired healings or transformations or transmutations over the course of a weekend or the week, the week, however long the retreat is. And so, yeah, I just would love for you to explain a little bit. Um, and they also are a shit ton of work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they are also one of the most challenging and hard things that one can choose to take on if you're on the business side of it, organizing it, getting all the details. I've had experience doing both. And I personally learned very quickly, I want no part of the business side. (laughs) And if people want to hire me to show up in my divine power as a shamaness, I will gladly (laughs) explore that. Um, But if you want me to hold down any of the back end, that is a clear hard pass. Yeah. So I respect those of you who take on the whole picture because I know you also are doing your kundalini there and you're you're wearing all the hats. All all the turbans. (laughs) All the turbans. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's true. I mean, honestly, I feel like the retreats are part of my dharma Mm -hmm. and it really is. Sometimes it's just like, oh my, we ran 15 retreats last year. What? And we said, I don't even know how you did that. I I don't either, honestly, including our boutique festival, including B-Fest, which is, yeah, it's wild. Which Cal and Peyton were there, right? Yes. Yeah. They had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. They were so awesome. Mm -hmm. They're the best. I'm actually going on Cal's podcast on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So they're sweet. some of our closest friends here. Yeah, they're they're wonderful people. But yeah, I feel like it's a dharmic thing, you know, mm-hmm. because it doesn't make a lot of sense even on paper often. Yeah. But then you're just like, I am called to create this energy, and I am called to do it at this place. And I always joke that I'm like a bit of a portal hunter because Mm. I'm bringing people to these portal energy experiences all over the planet. And we honestly, we've taken people to Peru and New Zealand and Africa and Iceland and just all of these crazy places where see people show up as one person Mm. and leave as someone else. It's true. And what you said about, you know, lifetimes of attainment in one experience is so true. I've seen it happen. People come in and they have made lifetimes of changes in one experience. Yeah. And I think that that's why we keep doing it is it's just a devotional practice to our, our, our you know, our fellow man, fellow humankind. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're here for you and we're going to keep creating these experiences. It's a big of service act, I will say. It, it is. It really is. And it's just so... It's just so powerful and so beautiful when, when people and they're come. they're fun. They're so fun. Yeah, they're so fun. And you meet incredible people. And yeah. so when uh, when this episode airs, um, people will have time to explore. Is it the next one you have in April? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it can, let's get into what that one's going to be like. It's in Mexico? Yeah, so it's at this really beautiful resort called Hotel Palmaya. And uh, I watched the video. It looks beautiful. It's insane. The guy's a burner. So it's got that kind of Bernie man vibe. It's, you know, you could tell that whoever built and designed and infused this place with their vibe definitely has that Bernie man, Mm. the Bernie man energy in in their aura. Mm. So you feel that, you know, that kind of undercurrent, but it's just beautifully designed. The food is meticulously sourced everything there is just like of the highest vibration mm-hmm. and there's just so much intention and the way the place was built and the staff, just everything just feels like a ceremony, you know? And so when you show up, you're like, Oh, I've just entered a ceremony. And, and that creates such an integral piece of 
the attendee being able to let go, open up and let go and like really open their field to receive every little nugget that they're meant to receive when you're in a space like that. Yeah. It's really important. It's like it's setting this beautiful foundation and then we're layering in on top of that incredible musicians. We've got Purangi and DJ Drez. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with him. He does really amazing kirtan music with his a lot of his stuff are on my Spotify playlist. Oh, yes. nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. So we've got, like I said earlier, this wellness retreat. We're obviously we're doing breath work and we're doing Kundalini yoga and we're doing movement and all of these wonderful kind of quintessential wellness experiences, but then layered in with the performative aspect of the musicians. And then the really unique thing about B-Fest is that we add in a little bit of that Burning Man flavor with themes every night so everybody comes dressed up in costumes and fully radically self-expressed and so there's that little component as well where there's a really creative aspect of it and it's just like you know it's like if you just took a little bit of all of those favorite festival Mm -hmm. and kind of energies that you liked throughout your life and put it in one event that would be b-fest you know what I'm thinking of as we're talking is Jared gave me a code Code yes. Allison. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, and remember, fam, my name is spelled very uniquely. It's A L Y S O N. One L and a Y. Code Allison. So, if this, if you want to explore, what's the website they should go to? So, they could go to Be the Wellness, and B is like a honeybee. So, it's B E E the Wellness.com. And then the event is Be Fest Palmaya. You'll see that on the website. Okay, cool. And so, yeah, if it speaks to you and you want to go, Code Allison will get you $500 off. Yes. That's pretty epic. That's really epic. I'm reading this now. I'm like, oh, this (laughs) is, I'm glad I remembered that this email is in here. So yeah, I highly recommend you at least poke around in there and watch the video and on your Instagram too. I think you share some more details about it, like tune into the vibe and see what's up. Cause yeah, you've brought some really high level space holders and guides to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And it feels like every one of them is a bit different. We bring in different teachers and modalities and musicians and every year it just offers a certain frequency. Mm -hmm. And this year is just like, it's just love. Mm. It just feels like this love energy. What a relief. Yeah. (laughs) I really wanted to call it all you need is love. I was like, can we just call the festival all you need is love? Because it just felt like such a heart chakra thing. So and Mexico too, you know, it's warm and it's easy and it's gentle and mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just lots of love vibration. Yeah. Mexico is definitely one of my favorite places in Luke as well. We've had a lot of some of the most powerful experiences of our lives in, in Mexico, including getting engaged there and so much magic. Yeah. Mexico holds so much medicine. That's, that sounds incredible. So highly recommend you guys go to the website, which is com, and we'll put it in the show notes and reminder that the code is Allison, A-L-Y-S-O-N, so you can get your discount there. Anything you want to say before we close out with the ritual? Mm, Yes. So I was thinking, if it's okay, I might share my Akashic prayer with the group. And I don't actually share it publicly that often, but it's it's really beautiful sound codes. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we could just uh, give it to your audience and let them bathe in it. So I'm ready to bathe. Let's do it. So just close your eyes and 
open your heart and just give yourself the grace of this moment being fully present and if it feels right to you you can actually open your own Akashic Records right now with me and so I'll give the prayer and if you want to give it to yourself as though you're going into your own Akashic Records feel free to do that and I will do it for the group. So traditionally with Akashic Records, you have to ask for permission. So what I'm going to do right now is just ask all of the energy and all the frequency out there of those who are open to this, know that this is for you. And those who do not want me to open your records know that that is fully honored as well and that you are safe to have your own experience of listening and just being an observation. And for all of us, just take a moment to drink in the prayer and to feel the way that the energy of the sound codes bounce off of you or go into you or surround you or whatever's perfect for you today. And one more deep breath, inhale. And exhale from the north, south, east, and the west, as above, as below. May all angels, guides, seers, and the great spirit guide us in this journey. May our hearts be received and our visions be guided in light and love. May the deepest wisdom come forth for all of us in this moment, and may we be supported by the ancients of all creation. The records are open with the greatest integrity to serve you and all humankind. All is held in a stream of light and love. All is guided. All is protected. The records are now open. You are loved. And just give yourself a moment to feel into this space. Notice if you feel any frequency shift. Maybe you have new thought forms that are arising. Just, just turn on the listening of your own experience. And notice if you hear, taste, smell, sense, any messages, any beings, any frequency that wants to come into your field. And just give yourself permission to be with whatever it is, experiencing it perfectly in perfect time, in perfect harmony, in perfect uniqueness for you and only you. And although we only have a short amount of time here together in this space, I would invite everyone to just ask for a gift a gift from this space, a gift from the Akashic field. And just notice anything that wants to come through. We'll give you a moment of silence to just receive any gift that wants to be offered to you now.
maybe the gift was just simply the moment of silence or maybe you experienced something else. Whatever happened for you is just perfect. Just know that it was exactly how you needed it and how it should be. Let us all just give thanks for whatever showed up. And I'll go ahead and close us all out. I give thanks to the north, south, east, and the west, all the elements, tattvas, the great spirit, angels and guides guiding all with the hands of creation and love. May we be blessed in love. May this reading close with the highest integrity to continue to serve and heal and may all be held in a stream of light consciousness. Aho, the records are now closed. Hmm. That was nice. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> did you get a gift? I did. Yeah, I was laughing. When, we, when you first, right when you opened the records, a monkey showed up and he was all <laughs> squirreling around and just being all playful, bringing in that playful medicine which is so important to me right now in this year and just having my birthday and all the things and um, some monkey medicine. Beautiful. Monkeying around. And then <laughs> uh, when the gift portion came in, yeah, this box, this present um, came forward. It like slid toward me. And then when I looked in and the lid came off, there was a beautiful pearl inside Aww. there, this big iridescent shiny pearl. And in my animal power card deck, the clam uh, I has been revealing a lot lately and the message of the clam in the card deck is discover happiness, you know, happy as a clam and just the energetics of happiness. And it took me to, um, before you two showed up today, I was downstairs making coffee. I'm back on coffee. I took, I was off of it for seven years. Wow. And then when I did this milk cleanse recently mm -hmm. where all you can do is drink milk for eight days and they allow you, you cannot have tea, you can have some water and you are allowed one small cup of coffee in the morning. And I was like, oh, this is interesting because coffee needed to remove itself from my life and yet, and I love tea, but I can't have tea. I can only have a little bit of coffee. <laughs> Thankfully, I have had uh, the founder of this company called Jaguar Siembre on Ceremony Circle, and he works with the Mamos, and they grow this incredibly clean coffee mm. down in Colombia. I could feel the vibration of it, just it's, you saying it. Yes, yeah. it is the best. And so I buy it all the time for Luke. Yeah. And I was like, well, huh. And I remember when I had Santi, the founder, on Ceremony Circle, and I was saying to him how I don't drink coffee, he's like, I invite you to open up to the possibility of experiencing coffee again through these beans because it's so different. They're mm. like grown on the temple walls down there and all this stuff. And so it just, it took a couple of years, but then I arrived to the pondering of getting back on coffee. And so now I do a few times a week sometimes more actually, it's a completely different experience. Yeah. yeah. It's not Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's not Starbucks beans. Let's just say that. Um, it's so funny because I feel like so many people go through this with coffee. Like there's, it's almost like the entity of coffee has too much of a grip and you've got to be like, all right, take a back seat. We yeah. need to clean out and clear. And then you kind of have to find the right balance and resonance. Yeah, the right cleanliness of being. Mm -hmm. And um, so this morning when I was making the coffee, 
excuse me, I had this experience that I have been having in the last few months where out of nowhere, I, this energetic starts in my abdomen and then rises and fills my entire chest cavity and stomach cavity and then expands out. And I hysterically laugh uncontrollably (laughs) for minutes that's amazing crying and crying (laughs) and so before you guys got here I had that happen again today and Luke is up here I didn't know where he was but he's up where we're recording in the ceremony loft and I'm down in the kitchen just like tears just streaming down my face I mean it's I cannot stop if I wanted to and I got to a place where I could take a gasp of air and I was like Luke and he's like what's going on down there and I'm like I'm having one of those things and so then finally when it ran its course of whatever this this medicine opening is for me right now I asked him I was like what what is your experience when I'm having that experience? And he's just like, Oh God, just love. And I'm just so grateful. It just feels like, Oh, what did he say? Is it heart healing healing Mm. to him? His perspective is that I'm at this place in my time in life where, um, yeah, my heart is going through this particular essence and texture of healing that is just outbursts of hysterical (laughs) laughter. It's amazing. It's so amazing. You're having your own laughing yoga moment. Yeah. Yeah. A class of one, one person, uh, yoga class with laugh. And so the pearl took me that, that pearl of happiness took me down to the hysterical laughing, laughing this morning and wanted me to, to speak that out. So I love that. That was really beautiful. I love that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> That's like the perfect just summary of what this is all about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're just to summarize everything that this conversation is and what you're up to and what I'm up to, it's all for this joy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that at the end of it, that's what I'm here to help with is more joy. And that's why we have the retreats and that's why I teach the Kundalini and it's why the, it's all the, all of it leads to that same location, Mm -hmm. which is just joy and love of your life. Yes. Aho. I really agree. And of course, you know, as I've said a trillion times on ceremony circle, everybody's path is unique into themselves. Everyone's path is different. Everyone has their own divine design and the hero's journey or the spiritual path like takes its own shape and form. But for me, I've been on the path for a long time, this lifetime. And you know, there, there were, there just were for me long years, long periods of incredibly intense shadow work and going into different caves and being solitary and celibate and just like getting into the furthest reaches and nooks and crannies. And that for me was just what was necessary to like, just get to where I needed to be to do the work that I'm here to do from the place that I'm choosing and willing to do it. And, um, yeah, it, it really is beautiful through just digging through the, the trenches, the way that I have to be in this place now where it wasn't like joy was completely absent at those times. It just wasn't the primary texture that needed to be focused on, Mm -hmm, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so now that it's like, 
bursting out in the way that it is, um, I have to say I'm quite pleased. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Honestly, you. because, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure to not feel joy. And there's also like a feeling of like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling too happy because other people are not feeling happy. And the world's in the state it, of whatever. Yes. So I should take all of that on. And it's like, God, spirit, universe, whatever you believe in wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Really, truly. You're not here to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And like you said, yes, maybe you need to go into those dark corners and see what's there and do a little excavating. And that's beautiful. But we're meant to like find joy and find one another and have these beautiful experiences. And yeah, I'm so happy you're there. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and a lot of the most ancient mystics and ascended masters remind us through their teachings that play is the highest form of spirituality. Absolutely. You know, and getting to these places of, of joy. And I feel like there was one other little nugget before I wrap. I feel like humor is one of the highest levels of spirituality and intelligence. Yes. Yes. That's thank you for weaving me back into the last little thing in the quilt here is that, um, Yeah, it's fascinating for me to watch how my medicine is meant to be embodied and transmit out in the world. And I am a carrier of such range in that I am incredibly embodied and anchored and grounded and clear. And I'm incredibly silly and goofy and playful and fun. And it's like, I know how rich of reverence and sacredness that I am steeped with and do everything in my life from that place. So yeah, it's just, it's cool to watch then with all that wide range and those three main pieces, how they come together. And I was at a friend's birthday party last week and um, it was just a friend gathering. Yet she said, you know, if you or someone who has drums, bring your drum and maybe we can do a little prayer thing. And I knew I invited a medicine song to come in if there was one that wanted to be sung to her. And so I had done that kind of preliminary work, but it wasn't like I was going in trying to facilitate anything. I was just showing up to whatever, just be there and say happy birthday. But it ended up being this like really cool thing where I don't know. Unexpectedly, I was like, aren't we doing a prayer thing? And then somebody was like, are you going to guide it? And I was like, well, no, but I guess yes. And, (laughs) and through that, it was just fun. You know, I did the drumming and the medicine song that wanted to come for her, but then there's just all these like fun moments of like laughter and me chiming in with certain things that just wanted to be expressed. And yeah, I guess I'm just saying all of that because I'm just having my own moment of reflection of, um, I'm not saying this applies to everyone, but for myself and certain other teachers I know, like don't mistake the openings of silliness for lack of sacredness. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I feel like, and I love this story because it's like, when you're a medicine woman, you're a medicine woman, like in any room that you're in. Right. So that's just, of course, that's going to be the energy that you bring into the room. And I love that. And I think it's just so true. And we just, we need to give ourselves permission and we also need to make the effort. This is the other thing I will say coming out of the 2020 years and the 21 years, we got really insulated and that was beautiful. And we all needed to go internally and have that time. 
but there's actually a bit of an effort that it's required now to get back out there and participate in these places where joy is being elevated Mm -hmm. and activated. And as much as we can do amazing things on Zoom and we can do amazing things in these virtual spaces, there's such a value to putting yourself in places where people are activating exactly what you said, sacred joy. And they're not partitioning out like, oh, it can only be this, be in ceremony or be in ritual in this one way. Mm -hmm. They're really embodying the whole facet of what Mm -hmm. it means to be an embodied human. And you have to get out there and be a part of that. Yeah, And that's been a big thing I've noticed obviously running retreats and being a part of being out in the world, there's almost like a little bit of a crusting we have to do with ourselves to kind of like get back out there. Mm -hmm. And so I just really encourage people to look at that and make the effort. There's nothing like being with other humans. It's just so, so deeply important. Yeah. I second that. And I'm rattling my imaginary rattle today. So <laughs> oh, what a beautiful voyage. I'm so glad this spontaneously clicked into place. I just like found the DM where someone was alerting me that you're coming into town. I was like, I don't really have time to prepare, but let's do it. Yay. Like come to the house on <laughs> Sunday. So it's the best. Yeah. It's always the best that way. I'm so grateful and mm. just yeah, thank you so much for having me and and just for being you. Mm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Mm. And Thanks to the Soul Fam for tuning into this fun, multi-dimensional one. And be sure to check out the show notes. Be sure to check out the Be the Wellness Festival. Any other place you want to recommend they go to check out the work? You know, the Be the Wellness is really all of the retreats and the adventures. And if you're interested in the Kashuk training and the Kundalini, check me out on Instagram is really the best, starseed.collective. Okay. And that's where kind of that whole universe lives. And yeah, so check that out and DM me or reach out through that and we'll get you in the right spot. Cool. All right, fam. We will sit together again next time. Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. 
This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.